0: Good morning. Glad to see each one of you here this morning. So glad you're here. Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. This morning, We're going to be talking about hearing the voice of our good shepherd, our good shepherd. His name is Jesus, and he is the fairest of 10,000. He's the one who left his throne, set it aside, humbled himself, and became just like us so that he could um, live the servant life for us and set us an example of how God wanted us to be and the relationship that Father God wants with each one of us. That's who we're worshiping this morning. So I invite you to stand and let's worship the fairest of 10,000. Come into Your presence this morning to worship You as our Good Shepherd. We thank You that when we look into Your face, You are fairer than anything we've ever seen or see, And we know that You are here with us this morning. So, Good Shepherd, speak to us this morning. We open our ears and our hearts to hear Your voice this morning. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. Well, you've got some great people sitting, standing around you. Greet them this morning. And then you can be seated.
1: We pray over our service as we continue to worship. God, we thank you for your grace and your mercy and your kindness. That's new every morning. Lord, I was reminded this morning in in watching uh, uh, the life of Charles Stanley, who graduated to be with you. Well done, good and faithful servant. But how he lived his life as a man of prayer and on his knees waiting upon you, and you would lead. Lord, as we take a look at uh, your word this morning and the voice of the shepherd, we pray that you would speak. That we would learn to hear your voice and your voice alone. That we would follow your voice above everything else. That everything that we say and do would make you smile. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: I invite you to stand as we continue to worship our King.
2: solid ground. Nations rise and fall. Kingdoms once strong, now shaken. We trust whoever in your name. The name of Jesus. We trust the name of Jesus. You are
0: be seated. We're going to continue to worship God as we give our tithes and our offerings this morning. So let me pray in the ushers, would you come and receive the morning offering? Father God, we are grateful people. We thank you that we have hope in you and that our hope isn't abstract, but there is a name attached. And it's Jesus. We love you this morning. We come to you bringing you all the honor and the glory and the praise. And we continue to give you honor through the gifts that we bring this morning. We ask that you would use them to further your kingdom here and abroad. In Jesus' name, amen. to us how you provide for us each and every day how you've brought many of us healing you've provided for our resources so we are here at your footstool this morning to give you all the honor and glory knowing that it's because of you and only you that we're able to stand here and declare our trust and our faith in you and our hope in you To the only King forever, the fairest of 10,000. We love you this morning, Good Shepherd. Speak to us this morning in Jesus' name.
1: Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. If you would, open up your Bibles to John chapter 10. We're going to be taking a look at the Good Shepherd. As you're finding your place there, I have a question for you. Do you ever hear voices? Some of you are like, yep. Some of you are like, I'm not answering that question. You know, you, you think about hearing hearing voices and, and, you know, I thought, okay, well, hearing voices. Do people really hear voices? And, and you know, I, so I Googled it because you can Google just about anything. And I came up with a, a statistic that one in ten people that have mental illnesses... Hear voices, legitimate, audible voices. But I thought, OK, I'm only half nuts, so maybe. But then I th- got to thinking, well, what other voices are there? Well, there's voices that come out of social media, right? Those are voices that, that speak into our lives. Uh, there are voices that come from secular worldviews that create narratives there are political voices there's demonic voices there is a lot of noise that speaks to us a lot of clutter and a lot of a lot, a lot of things that are going on and within this we, we have all these voices and then I got to thinking you know there's a there's a new set of voices that that are very popular now with this generation and, and they're called influencers have you ever heard of them these are young people that get lots of money for doing nothing but influencing you. Like, their job is to influence you. And so, you know, I, I did a little bit of studying and research on that. And these, these social influencers, or basically social media influencers, are people that have a, a self-proclaimed reputation or authority. Notice it's self-proclaimed, because they all start out self-proclaiming. I'm an authority on this and they have this expertise that they start promoting a specific idea or specific product or or whatever. And then when you follow this, this person on a social media platform, then they get paid money by advertisers for likes and all these things. And it's amazing how stupid some of these things are. Some and young people and talking with Pastor Mike with some of the, the, these kids, they're like, I want to grow up and be a social media or a, a social influencer. And then I found that there is a college that actually has a degree. You can go to this college and get a degree in being a social media influencer I thought, Lord have mercy on us. I was amazed about all of this. And when we think about this, it really is the goal of all of these voices to draw you away, to confuse your mind, to get you to buy into something and believe something that isn't necessarily true. And then you have a difficult time. And then I thought, well, why is it that so many people are so easily influenced by all of these things? Well, one, laziness. It's much easier to believe something that's fed to you on a spoon than actually to think it out on your own. But two, need. People are looking for a voice that will come and bring peace, protection, provision, direction, guidance in this world they're looking for a voice that will come and say yes come follow because this is the truth people are looking for they're hungry for it and satan is jumping on the bandwagon charles stanley is blessed because he's in the presence of the lord now he graduated to be with the lord but he once said this god's voice is still and quiet And easily buried under an avalanche of clamor. God's voice is still and quiet. Easily buried under the avalanche of clamor. As is my practice, I get up early on Sunday mornings and my church time is watching Dr. Stanley and and they had a uh, review of his life this morning. It was a man of prayer. If you have an opportunity today, grab it, watch that. This is a guy who learned to listen to the voice of God through prayer and being still and doing things the way that God would have you do it. But you think about this clamor. And this clamor that is always speaking, we are the flock of Jesus. And the flock of Jesus is is given this impression that, that we are like sheep that need a shepherd. We need to listen. But you think about the flock. The flock needs to listen to one shepherd not others that are, that are not there, and they learn to have a relationship with them. And this morning we're going to walk through John chapter 10, verses 1 through 10, and then also 27, 28, because we want to learn to hear the voice of the shepherd. To be able to get away from the clamor and all the things that are going on, Jesus is the good shepherd that calls his people to himself and speaks to them. And the people will listen to him. Do you hear the voice of the shepherd? Can you hear God speak to you? Can you hear Jesus speak to you? And in this context of this. Because he's calling you to himself. And he's calling you into an abundant life. And my encouragement to you is that we follow that voice of Jesus. His voice alone into this place of provision and protection. Direction. And the abundant life. So let's stand as we read through this passage. John chapter 10, verses 1 through 10, and, and then uh, 27, 28. said, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he's a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. And to him, the doorkeeper opens, and the, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by his name and leads them out. And when he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they don't know the voice of the strangers. This figure of speech, Jesus spoke to them, but they didn't understand it, what those things were which he had been saying to them. So Jesus said to them, again, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the shepherd. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door, and if anyone enters through me, he will be saved. And go in and out and find pastures. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And then down in 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life to them, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. May God bless the reading of this word. You can be seated. So, Jesus has a voice. He is the voice of the shepherd. He is the one that calls out. Now, John 10 depicts Jesus, and by Jesus' own words, I am the good shepherd. Okay, so if you're the good shepherd, then what does a bad shepherd look like? As Jesus is, is speaking, he's speaking in light of the Pharisees who were bad shepherds, the religious leaders. But if you if you really want to know what a good shepherd is, then you also have to look at the bad shepherd, and is there an example in Scripture Of a bad shepherd? Absolutely there is. Ezekiel 34. Ezekiel 34, and the passage will be up here, but you can look it up on your own also. In 34, 1-6. Listen to how God describes bad shepherds, and these are the bad shepherds, the leaders of the nation of Israel. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to those shepherds, Thus says the Lord God, You should always pay attention when he says, thus says the Lord. But then the next word is very scary. Woe. Is woe good or bad? Woe, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? You eat the fat and clothe yourself with the wool. You slaughter the fat sheep. Wait, Wait a minute, you're a shepherd. And without feeding the flock. And those who are sickly you have not strengthened, the disease you have not healed, the broken you have not bound up, the scattered you have not brought back, nor have you sought for the lost. But with force and with severity you have dominated them. They were scattered for lack of a shepherd, and they became food for every beast of the field, and were scattered. My flock wandered through all the mountains, and on every high hill my flock was scattered over all the surfaces of the earth, and there was, note, no one to search or seek for them. What a desolate time in the nation of Israel. When the religious leaders were only thinking about themselves. And they weren't taking care of the flock. They were allowing the flock to scatter Israel, to scatter, and they were falling into idolatry. And in all of these things, they had, they had developed this behavior where where other nations were going to come in and destroy them. And I think it's important to note what a bad shepherd does. He devours the sheep that he's supposed to be taking care of. He's using the sheep for their own for their own means and being abusive in that way. Where he he is overlording them and it the text says dominating them. Bad shepherds. These are shepherds that shouldn't be shepherds, and they're confronted and You hear the heart of God and he says, these are my sheep. You belong to God. You don't belong to me. You don't belong to the elders or any other pastor. You belong to God. Spiritual leaders are spiritual shepherds meant to take care of the flock. Not to abuse them. But even more so, we think about those that have yet to be saved. That are part of the flock of God that we'll get to in a moment. Within this, we see this, that these people are being destroyed. And in this time, in Jesus' writing of this, he says, these were the, the people, in verse 1, that were bad shepherds. They were religious leaders. And he says, you, you religious leaders, and he's talking specifically to them, you are thieves and robbers. You're robbing from God. They had developed this religious elitism where they, were, they had become untouchable, and they were abusing all of the people that were there. And they were influencing them with their religious deceptions. The religious words. They were overbearing the, the people with, with offerings and legalism and such things. You say, okay, well that's a bad shepherd. So does God give an illustration of a good shepherd? He absolutely does. In fact, it's in contrast to the bad shepherds in Ezekiel 34. In Ezekiel 34, verses 10 to 16, this is the good shepherd. He says, thus says the Lord, behold, I'm against the shepherds and I will demand my sheep from them and make them cease from feeding the sheep. And so the shepherds will not feed themselves anymore, but I will deliver my flock from their mouth so that they will not be food for them. For thus says the Lord God, behold, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd cares for his herd in the day when he's among the scattered sheep, so I will care for my sheep and will deliver them from all the places to where they were scattered on a cloudy and gloomy day. I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and bring them into their own land. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel and by the streams... And in the inhabited places of the land, I will feed them in a good pasture. And their grazing ground will be on the mountain heights of Israel. And they, there they will lie down on good grazing ground and feed in rich pastures on the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock and I will lead them to rest, declares the Lord. I will seek the lost, bring back the scattered, bind up the broken and strengthen the sick, But the fat and the strong I will destroy, and I will feed them with judgment. Who's the good shepherd? God. And Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus being God has come to his people. And so here in John 10, he's declaring that he is the good shepherd. These religious leaders that would have heard this would have heard this in context of knowing Ezekiel. And Jesus was rebuking them for their behavior within this. Now he says, Truly I say to you, he who does not enter the door, verse 1 of 10, into the the fold of the sheep, but climbs in some other way, he's a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens. So Jesus uses a very common analogy of shepherds. It was super common. It was an agrarian culture, but it was also a herdsman culture. And to have herds of sheep and goats, it was normal within this. And so he says, look it. He says, there are two kinds of people. There's the the, the shepherd, and then there's the thief and the robber. He doesn't even call these guys bad shepherds. He says, you're thieves and robbers. And he uses this illustration of a sheepfold. Now, when we think of sheepfolds, we've got to understand a sheepfold is is like a, a herding pen. And there were two kinds of sheepfolds. There was one that was in the inner city. ...within the villages themselves, and then there was that sheepfold that was out in the field that was there. The one that was in the city was a common pen where you could have three, four flocks that were all together. In fact, we have a picture of it. When we go to Israel uh, next year, and and just a reminder, you can sign up and go, we're going to go here. This is a new uh, build in Nazareth where they recreated uh, normal life events... And this is different than what the sheepfold is in the, in the pasture land. The sheepfold in the city would be a series of pens, and there would be a doorkeeper that was in charge of checking the sheep in. The, the shepherds would come into the city or the village to take care of business, but somebody's got to take care of the sheep while they're doing. So they would come and they'd check them into these, these little, we, we could say they were maybe a village inn, I don't know. They're all herded together. And so within this, you might have three, four flocks that that could be all together. And there was a watchman or a doorkeeper that was there that would know the sheep that were in the pen and who they belonged to, to that shepherd that was in this. And Jesus says, look at within the context of the community, there are those thieves and robbers. So when you do a little research on the activity of this, what would a thief or robber do? Well, it would be a two-man operation. They would find a way to get around unsuspectingly at night when the watchman was at the main door, they would sneak around. One guy would hop the wall and he would grab a sheep, slit the throat of the sheep so it couldn't, couldn't scream or do anything. And then he'd toss the body of the sheep over the, over the top to his buddy who's on the other side of the wall. And they would take away three, four sheep or whatever they could get away with. Thieves and robbers going over the wall. They didn't care about the sheep. They were stealing within this. And Jesus declares these religious leaders as thieves and robbers that were basically stealing from God. Destroying the sheep of God. Do we have people in our world today that do that? People that sneak in, unawares, into the body of Christ so that they can destroy people. That's their whole goal. To destroy and use them up. And it breaks God's heart when that happens. But as Jesus goes on with the, the story, the account, he says when the true shepherd gets there, the watchman recognizes him. The watchman. Well, in Jesus' case, who was the watchman that recognized him? It would be John the Baptist. In John 1.29 says this, "...the next day he saw Jesus coming to him, and behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world." John the Baptist recognized Jesus as the shepherd. Called him out and said, here he is. He's the guy that's going to deliver us within this. So John was caring for the flock, preparing the flock, until the shepherd come. And the shepherd came, and his name is Jesus, and he was there, he acknowledged him. Israel was being fleeced by corrupt religious leaders. And it was time for Jesus to take his people out of the religious system. And I can tell you from that time forward to even today, Jesus is calling his people out of a a world system that is policing and and killing and destroying, and he's calling you out. He's calling you out to follow him. So Jesus came and he collected the sheep that belonged to him. The what he came to the watchman. Watchman says, "Yeah, you're you're the sheep." And it's important to note that it was the voice of the shepherd that called to a sheep, and the sheep followed him. Now, I have never been around sheep. I don't have a clue about sheep or, or any of that. But I've been around a lot of animals, and I know that as you develop a relationship with an animal, that they have a, a personality that connects with you. Which tells us that, that the shepherd not only knew the sheep, but the sheep knew him. That he named them. There was a relationship with him. And so God has been developing a relationship with you, but is developing a relationship with others as he prepares to call them out. It isn't a just, hey, I'm here. It's, it's, it's a process of God revealing himself. The other thing that I think that's important to understand that is true about shepherds is, is the level of Intimacy. You know how to tell a true shepherd? You want to know? Smell him. See, well, that's kind of weird. A true shepherd is going to smell like his sheep because he has spent time with them. He's going to smell like the sheep because he's been hugging on them. He's been caring for them. He's been nurturing them. He's been with them. And so you, you, you want someone that that has that, that aura and that odor of, of ministry that's there. And this true shepherd also, not only does he call them out, but the text says that he calls them all out of the pen, and then he leads them. What's the difference between a, a, a shepherd that knows his sheep, the sheep that know him, or a hireling. A shepherd can actually go out in front and the sheep said, I want to go where he goes. The hireling is not known by the sheep and the hireling will drive the sheep from behind and push the sheep. Years ago when we were in Romania, we were doing ministry there. And we were in the hills of... of uh, a town uh, just outside called Necrelesh. Necrelesh was amazing. If picture in your mind, Sound of Music, right? And those hills. That's exactly what it looked like. I mean, you got these big, lush, tall hills, steep canyons, green as it could be, streamed down across the 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 thing. And and we were there doing camp, and and on the hillside, far. Away from us was a a hillside, and there were sheep on there with shepherds and big sheep dogs. And we were doing ministry, and we had about 50 kids or so that we were doing camp with and making a lot of noise and having a good time. and, And one morning, we got up and we were getting ready to make breakfast and doing dishes or whatever. And... Here comes a couple of these sheepdogs. And these were not little puppies. These are not lap dogs. They're about that tall. And their hair was matted, and they were just there. And they came by, and it's like, oh, man, you know, let's feed them. So we fed them. Then they showed up the next day. <laughs> then they showed up the next day. And we knew they kind of belonged to the shepherd, because we could see the shepherd running and the dogs running the sheep back and forth. And then they were over at our place, and then I think it was about the third day that shepherd showed up at our camp. He wasn't there for food. He said, stop feeding my dogs. I can't get them to work. But the thing that sticks out to me across that canyon is I could hear these shepherds yell at the dogs and yell at the sheep. And they had sticks that they were throwing and hitting the dogs with and doing that. They were driving them. There are people in our world today that are driving people. Not leading people. Driving them. And we live in a, in a culture where we have abusive voices and abusive people and people that are hungry and looking for a voice that cares. We need to introduce them to the voice of the shepherd. To call them out and to lead them. To go before them within this. And this voice of the shepherd does lead his sheep. If you look at verses 4 and 5, it says, When he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow within this. And I was reminded of Numbers chapter 27 verses 15 to 17. And it was a prophecy concerning Jesus coming. It says, Then Moses spoke to the Lord, saying, May the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation, who will go out and come in before them, and who will lead them out and bring them in, so that the congregation of the Lord will not be like sheep which have no shepherd. Do you know people that have no shepherd? But God has provided a shepherd. His name is Jesus. John Maxwell once said this, A leader is one who knows the way, goes the way, and shows the way. It's a powerful quote. A leader is one who knows the way, shows the way, and goes the way. It reminded me of John fourteen six, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth. And the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Jesus knows the way. There is one good shepherd. One voice. We need to follow his voice. In and out. And they're going to follow the voice of the one that demonstrates care. They're going to follow the voice of the one that says, Yes, I trust you. Within this. People, they follow strangers because they're fed a line. But they're soon disappointed. And the difficulty is this. When you're disappointed multiple times in leaders, you finally give up on the concept of leadership. Don't you? You just quit. I've trusted this person. I've trusted that person. And they've let me down time and time again. I'm not going to trust any leadership. There are a lot of people that don't trust in churches. Why? Why? Quite frankly, because... People that are, are so-called spiritual leaders or self-proclaimed spiritual leaders have abused the sheep so much. And it's hard. It's hard to say, well, I'll trust again within this. And so you've got to find the one that is consistently loving and caring. You think about children. And, you know, being around kids and being a, a kid's pastor for a lot of years... There's this kind of weird thing called stranger danger that kids go through, right? You think about an infant. They really don't care. But there comes a time when the switch goes on and says, you're not my mom, you're not my dad. I don't know you. I'm hiding from you, right? Well, how does that happen? Well, at first, they don't develop a relationship really with anybody. They're like, I'll go with anybody. But then, because of the amount of time they spend with mom and dad... Then when a stranger comes in, they go, well, you're not familiar to me within this. And they move away. And so within this, you know, when we first come to the Lord, you know, we, we, we tend to, like, trust everybody. And then after you get burned a couple of times, then you don't trust anybody. And how do you get back to this place of being able to trust? Well, stop trusting in man and trust in Jesus. And let him be your shepherd and let him be your guide. And then find an under-shepherd that is demonstrating care and concern. That is there for people. And, And so we need to grow in that intimacy. So how do you grow in intimacy with Jesus? Well, if you remember, the shepherd called them out of the sheepfold and led them away from this mixed community into a private community out in the pastures, within this, and to follow that voice is going to experience that protection and provision on an intimate way, over time within that. And so we see in verses six through ten, here it says the, he says this is a figure of speech. They didn't get it. Bless their heart, they didn't get it. But then he changes this uh, this picture. He says, "Truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers." But the sheep didn't hear him. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go out and in and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. So in the analogy, we find we still have thieves and robbers. But Jesus changes the analogy. And You say, well, Jesus, what, what are you doing? You're, you're mixing your metaphors. I thought you're the good shepherd. Now you're a door. What are you? Are you a door or are you a shepherd? What are you? He says, no, Jesus is speaking of a different kind and context of relationship. He's talking about a different kind of of sheepfold, one that exists out in the pastures in the hills. These are a couple of pictures of it. This is an artist's rendition of what a sheepfold might look like in a pasture. Stacked stones with a doorway. And if you notice, the shepherd is where? Where? Laying in the doorway, right? No one gets in, they've got to go through the shepherd. Sheep can't get out, they've got to go through the shepherd. They're protected. And so what the shepherd would do is he would. they had these set up throughout the countryside. Within that, this is a picture of an actual sheepfold that I want to show you. This is, a, this is one that is in Israel. It's an actual sheepfold, and they would stack rocks. They had no problem with building material. There's plenty of rocks everywhere but they would they would set this up to keep the sheep in typically what would be added but it's not in this one is they would find briars and thorns and they would wrap the top all around to create kind of a barbed wire so it would keep the wolves out right because if they try to get in they get caught in the if be high enough they get caught in the barbed wire within that um, if they really had to do something then to keep a pack of wolves away, they actually could set the, the, the brush on fire on top and create a light. And they would be able to do that. But it would also hopefully keep some of the thieves and the robbers that were out. But the key is that the, the shepherd was the door. And no one could come in. One of the things that you think about in the provision is that no one could take the sheep from the shepherd. The sheep are secure. There is a voice that speaks to many Christians that challenges their security. And and, and this challenge of security is you've sinned in such a way that God doesn't love you anymore and therefore you are no longer saved. That's a lie from the pit of hell. You are eternally secure. Jesus was saying in John 17, no one can snatch them out of my hand. That you belong to God within this. Well, how would they exist in this sheepfold? The whole idea of the sheepfold was it was a camp for night. But then they would go out, they would feed, and they would come back. Take a look at the 23rd Psalm, one that everybody's familiar with. But I want you to hear these words through the eyes of a shepherd. That is out in the field with his sheep. Philip Keller writes a very good book. I encourage you to read it. And it's a book called um, the 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 23rd Psalm, Through the Eyes of a Shepherd. And he interviewed Bedouin sheep to see how accurate it was. But in this, he says this in the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not literally be in want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You've anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. As David would write this psalm, David was a shepherd. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The shepherd would go out while the sheep were in the village and prepare the summer grazing lands. And if he had to travel through a dark valley, he knew where the valley was. And he would take them up to the high mountain peaks, the hills where the grass was better. And while the pasture was there for them to feed, they would be surrounded by wolves or threats, enemies within that. And at the end of the day of feeding, the shepherd would bring his sheep back in and we'd call them by name one by one. And the shepherd would inspect the sheep from their time out there and find out if there's anything wrong with them. Do they have any cuts? Do they have any bruises? Do they have any sores? Are there any infections? They would cover their head or their sores with oil to keep the flies from coming and bothering them. And all of these things, one by one. And it wasn't until all the sheep were in and taken care of that the shepherd would take care of himself. That's the good shepherd. He is the one that leads. He's he's the one that guides. He's the one that is, is calling his sheep. And it's all based off of His voice and His relationship. Jesus wants to have that with you. He wants to have that connection as your good shepherd within this. And He's calling. He's calling you by name. You need to learn to listen to that voice. But to listen to that voice, you've got to cut the clutter out. Remove the clutter. What does that mean? Get off Facebook. Get off social media. Turn the TV off. Stop listening to all this other stuff. Be still. Learn to listen. And to know the voice of the shepherd as he calls you. Because he's calling you into that abundant life within this. If you look at verses 27 and 28, it says this, My sheep hear my voice. I know them They follow me and I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father has given them to me. We look at that passage and we say, my sheep hear my voice. I looked at that word voice there in Greek, it's phone, which means sound. You say, well, Carrie, I don't hear the voice of Jesus. You'll hear the sound of Jesus. Well, how do I hear the sound? You hear the sound of Jesus as he expresses himself through miracles, through circumstances. When Jesus would draw people to himself, he would would show himself through sovereign work. You'll hear the voice of Jesus through that inner voice. But you've got to clear the clutter to hear that inner voice. To be known by Him and to know Him. There's a lot of Christians that claim to be Christians. And they say, yeah, I belong to God. And I would say, well, have you ever heard His voice? It's more than just knowing. It's to be known by Him. Jesus would deal with this in Matthew 7. 21-23 says this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven, will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? And in your name cast out demons. And in your name perform many miracles. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. There's a lot of people say, if you ask me, say, are you a Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian. That's asking the wrong question. There's two questions you should ask. Do you know Jesus personally? Are you known by Jesus? Because that's the key. It's one thing to know of or about. It's totally something different to know Him. There's a lot of, a lot of professors... Of a relationship, but not a lot of possessors of a relationship. but those that have that relationship are promised abundant life, eternal life. It's quality and quantity, it's yours as a sheep, as a sh- as the shepherd has provided for you this place that's there. Jesus would say to Martha, in the death of Lazarus and as he was consoling her, in John 1124 to 26, he says this, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection life. He who believes in me, will live, even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? That's the question. That's the question. You will hear a lot of voices. Get rid of the clutter. And say, Lord, speak. Shepherd, speak. Let me hear you. I'm not moving until I hear you. And the voice of Jesus is calling. The anxiety, the stress, and all of these things, get rid of those voices and say, Word of God, speak. Let's pray. God, I thank you. I thank you that we're in this place. A place that honors you and will bring glory to your name. Not because of it's a building, but because it's people that seek after you. Lord, I know that there's a lot of chaos and clutter in our world today and it's so easy to get spun up. These are thieves and robbers that are trying to steal us from you, God. May we focus on one voice, one thing. Lord Jesus, You are our shepherd. And we will follow You. And in following You, will experience loving protection, abundant provision, and eternal life. And it doesn't get any better than that. We thank You. And we trust in You. In Jesus' name. Amen.
2: By all of you, I know how I love you. You call me beloved, and you call me friend. Your grace says I'm worthy. You welcome me all that I long for
1: and all that I
2: need is to be in your presence forever I fall at your feet Jesus the anthem of my heart Jesus the anchor of my soul I'm overwhelmed by all you are, and oh how I love you. Faithful to the end, God you are always good. Where do I begin? There's so many reasons to Your promise never breaks, your beauty never fades, what else can I say, there's so many reasons to love you, faithful to the end, God you are always. There's so many reasons to love you. Your promise never breaks. Your beauty never fades. What else can I say? There's so many.
1: Thank you that you're speaking. And you're speaking to hearts this morning that are in this room watching online. May they hear your voice loud and clear and find a peace that passes all understanding that will guard their heart and their mind. May they hear your voice, Lord Jesus, and be drawn out to a place of being fed and encouraged, being nurtured and loved, Lord, I pray that we as a people, Your sheep, would ignore the clutter, the voices of the thieves and the robbers that are seeking to destroy and only hear You. And maybe this morning, you're hearing that voice of God saying, Do something. Follow me. Seek me. That voice is speaking in a still small voice in your heart. Don't ignore it. Respond to it. And say, yes, Lord, your servant is hearing you. Lead me, Lord Jesus, and if my sin is getting in the way, forgive me of my sin. May I surrender myself to you to be forgiven, loved, and to be called your own. Make that your prayer. And God, as we go out today, may we realize that there's many people that are lost that need your voice. And may we be an extension of your voice, Lord Jesus, to a world that needs to be led into your flock. Lead us, we pray, Lord Jesus, and may everything we say and do make you smile. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, Amen. Amen. and praise Praise Jesus.